Hello and welcome to Spring Ridge Church Podcast. On this podcast, we will broadcast messages and lessons from our church. If they bless you, I encourage you to subscribe and rate our channel, as well as you can visit our website, www.springridgechurch.com. If you'd like to communicate, you can send an email to pastor at springridgechurch.com. And uh, we would love to hear from you, where you're listening from. And if you have any questions you'd like to have answered, uh, desire a Bible study, or would like to send us a prayer request, all of those are welcome uh, requests and forms of communication we enjoy. So we hope that the, the podcast bless you. Hope that you will uh, subscribe and become a part of our faithful listening audience. So Romans, Romans 8 is a wonderful scripture. Romans 8 and 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Uh, we are beset with a reality that in us there are two realities. Before you're born again, you don't really have even the inclination to operate in the kingdom of God because you cannot perceive it. Now we know that in the Old Testament there were there were no doubt people of faith, people whom God moved upon, God spoke to, God led, and God anointed for his purpose. And no doubt that's a, an amazing experience. But what Jesus made available to us in the New Testament far exceeds anything that was available to David or Elijah or Moses or even Abraham. And it is that we have access to the grace of God through Jesus Christ. We have been brought nigh or near through the blood of Jesus Christ and specifically because of the Holy Spirit baptism we receive from the Lord, we have, we possess something that was never available before the New Testament. No one had access to have the very spirit of the creator of the universe to live in us. In the Old Testament, they had the creator with them. They might feel the presence of the Lord outside of them, but they never had an opportunity to fellowship with the spirit of God on the, the level that we have access to because of our born-again experience. It's, it's hard to really know, but some of you may have an experience in that you had faith before you were born again. You felt like you prayed and you talked to the Lord before you were born again. And But there's something about when you get the Holy Ghost what was your previous experience is the old way. <clears throat> the new way is so good, you can forget what it was like not to have the Spirit of God. And one of the great challenges in the, 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 the reawakening of this Acts 2 experience, I believe people throughout history no doubt prayed and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit because if a person prays, 
and they're pursuing God, I do believe an honest heart that's pursuing God, the Lord will fill them with the Holy Ghost. I meet people and have met people of all different kinds of religious backgrounds, and they have received the Holy Spirit even though the church they go to doesn't believe in it and may even teach against it. But an earnest heart that's hungry for God, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. They, they might not understand what they have. They may not even believe in what they experience, but they, they receive it because they're pursuing God. I heard a story, I don't know if I heard this from Brother uh, Hudson, but I, I heard someone tell me this week that, that someone told them what was happening to them when I pray, this happens to me and a person that knew what was going on. So well, what's happening to you is you, you, you've got the Holy Ghost. When you're praying and saying things you don't understand and, and you wonder what's going on, that's, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing that in the New Testament, that experience of having access to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it was never available until Jesus went away. Jesus said, I have to go away because if I don't go away, uh, the comforter can't come. The spirit of truth can't come. In fact, I am with you, but after I go away, I will be in you. And so Romans answers the challenges that Paul lays out in Romans 7. Romans 7 says, you know, when I would do good, evil's present. When I want to do good, I do evil, and, and, and that which I would do, I don't do, and what I don't want to do, that's what I do. He, he lays out the challenge of living in this dual reality as a New Testament believer. When you're born again, you have a level of choice that is not available to someone that doesn't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Just because you've had the Holy Ghost don't mean the Holy Ghost has you. How many of you ever known somebody to claim the Holy Ghost, but it's obviously at that particular point the Holy Ghost didn't have them? Their attitude, come on somebody. How many of you be honest, that's, that's, that, that would be me sometimes, right? Sometimes I claim the Holy Ghost, but the Holy Ghost might not claim uh, who I am at that particular point, right? And so Romans 7 lays out the bankruptcy of the flesh. I call it chapter 7 bankruptcy and, and, and but Romans 8 is is how you get out of bankruptcy how do you get out of bankruptcy there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but when we make a decision to walk after the spirit the law of the spirit of Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of Sin and death. Sin and death is our flesh. The carnal mind is at war with God. Is at, is, is, it's totally opposed to God. And I think the great challenge, when someone is born again, they have this amazing, thrilling feeling, but then they still got their flesh. And so their flesh, stinking thinking, you've been thinking like stinking your whole life, and you've got to somehow, the Holy Spirit has to re- inform your attitudes, re-inform your opinions, and the things that were old, we need to put them in the past. The way we have acted, the way we have thought, the way we have done, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to help us move 
our old habits, our old realities, our old attitudes, and move them from our current situation and move them into, that's how I used to be. Just because you get the Holy Ghost don't mean that the Holy Ghost comes in there and changes the way. You have to recognize, you know what, that's not right. How many times have you been dealing with someone or talking to someone or even just thinking within yourself, and while you're thinking you have this external voice almost says, stop that. That's not right. You're not thinking right. That is the spirit of truth. That is the Holy Ghost. That's Jesus Christ himself saying, hey, 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 hey. You need to put that in the past. And so when the scripture says there's no more condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who, everybody say who. We have to make a decision that we're going to put that behind us. We're just not going to entertain that anymore. So that's just kind of an introduction. And we're going to talk about verse 20. And uh, I read this the other day. I was actually looking for a scripture. And, and I was thinking that the scripture said something about, about faith uh, being vain. Your uh, uh I couldn't, I, I had some particular thing in my mind and I got to looking for it, couldn't find it. But this scripture I found in my search for one, I couldn't find the scripture. This scripture really just intrigued me. Verse 20, for the creature was made subject to vanity. What's vanity? Uselessness, frustration, uh, no purpose, a, a headache. You know what I'm saying? And the Bible says the creature was made subject to vanity. God made us to be affected by vain things. Not willingly. I didn't choose to be bothered by this vanity. The, the, the creator caused us to be created that we were affected by vain things. We didn't choose it. God chose it. Why? By, but by reason... Of him who hath subjected the same in hope. I, I read that and I, I really, I, I shared it with a few preachers and I, I, I puzzled over this. Why would God make the creature subject to vanity? Why would the Lord create me so that I was affected by empty, frustrating, worthless, purposeless things? He did create us this way. Why? I believe this is the answer. Is because you can't appreciate grace without vanity. You can't appreciate fullness without emptiness. You can't appreciate strength without weakness. You can't appreciate beauty without seeing something that's not beautiful. And so the Lord made us subject to the things that drive us crazy, cause us want to pull our hair out so that we see, hey, I do have access to something better. Now, I can stay in frustration. I can stay in, in emptiness and all of this stuff, but I have access to something better. He made us subject to vanity so that we would have insight to say, I don't have to stay here. It is our nature to consume 
and to be mesmerized with worthless things. Everybody say vanity. He made us subject to that. And we can be intrigued by it. You want some examples? Today, I prophesy. Y'all ready? You write this down. There are going to be, all over this country, there are going to be men that, that prepare themselves mentally and physically. They're going to put on uniforms. And they're going to sweat and growl and moan and scream over a inflated thing made of pigskin. And people are going to subject themselves to that vanity. And they're going to moan and scream and whine and complain and shout and dance because of vanity. And the Lord has created us so that we would be subject to that vanity. Yesterday was 9-11. Tragic thing. But some people allow their minds to be so overwhelmed with past tragedy. It's all right. I mean, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with, I mean, it's terrible. It's all right to be sad and say, I'm never going to forget that. That's all good. I'm not against that. But some people can, that can be the definition of their life. It's vain. I mean, there's going to be more buildings fall down. There's going to be more bombs dropped. There's going to be more people die. People have been very upset about what happened in Afghanistan, and I rightfully so. But that stuff's been happening in Afghanistan for 20 years. Hold your breath. Well, there's going to be a president take us to another war, and we're going to find out it didn't mean nothing about what we were told again. Why? Because that's what, that's what countries and presidents and militaries do. But people can become so... I mean, that stuff can keep your mind filled, right? Right? And you you can think of all, I mean, I, I have a friend. Uh, I, uh, we've known each other for years. He actually don't live here. He lives in Texas. I hadn't talked to him. We're friends. He's one of these friends that I hadn't talked to him in uh, two years. We get together, be like old time. I mean, we just, just great guy. And I don't know if this is true for him now, but I know it's true in the past. His one passion was deer hunting. Nothing wrong with deer hunting. But I'm telling you, passion. He got off work and had some extra time. He would go down to where he went hunting. He'd be plowing and planting and building and setting and uh, watching and setting up cameras. And I mean, that. But let's be honest. Anybody eating, that's vanity. Right? God made us that way. He made us subject to vanity. We didn't choose the way we were made. Our creator made us that way. And so he has subjected us to vanity, but he also, what's it say? He, reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. We have opportunity of vanity and we have opportunity of hope. And we get to choose, just like Romans 8 and 1, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We have the same sort of choosing in Romans 8 in our Christian life, just like Adam and Eve had in the garden. Would they pursue the, 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 the knowledge of tr- the tree of good and evil? We have access to that same choice, I'd say every day. I can wake up in the morning. I was talking to a young man, uh, Brother... Bodie's son, his name is Dustin, and he called me and wanted to just talk about 
Bible and stuff, and he was talking about what he is really thinking about, and he's talking about discipleship. And this is something I have found over the past few weeks I've been thinking about, is I think one of the greatest acts of discipleship, if, if we can teach a new believer this, they will become a disciple and a saint. And it's this, that everyone can understand at any point that you want to talk to Jesus, you can. You can start out your day and your eyes open up and you can say, good morning Jesus. You can open your Bible, open your Bible app, and you can say, hello Jesus, what do you have for me today? Help me today. And and Jesus will talk to you at any point that you want to talk to him. This young man said, you know what? I, I asked her, he said, sometimes I'll get home and I, I'll pull in the part, my, the, my driveway and I'll be tired. And he said, he said, I'll just stop before I get out of my truck. I'll just say, Jesus. And he said, every time I'll feel the presence of the Lord and he'll be right there with me. And I said to him, I said, that to me is the thing that will make a disciple. If we understand that Jesus, what did Jesus say in the book of Revelations? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice, open the door, I will come in and fellowship. I will sup with him. And and here's the revelation. I I don't believe I am a disciple maker. I want to make disciples. But ultimately, if the people, like Brother Danny, Brother Danny's been coming to our church for six or, I don't know, six or seven months. And if I could teach Brother Danny, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus is the one that teaches us. Jesus said to his disciples, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to come follow me. I mean, I try to get people to follow me, follow me as I follow Christ. But people have jobs, I mean... I, I, we all have responsibilities, but but I truly believe we have access to walk after the Spirit. And just as the Lord has caused us that we can be overwhelmed with the, 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 the passions and the frustrations of vanity, we have access to be overwhelmed with thanksgiving of the hope. How do we do that? We decide, good morning, Jesus. What do you have for me today? And it is in that realm of the Spirit that any of us, any of us have access to live a different life. But, you know, the challenge is it's hard to teach people that. You know how I know it's hard to teach people that? Because I forget it myself. How many days have we lived for the haste? And we forgot to say, good morning, Jesus. Even went to bed at night and said, before it's, you know what I'm saying? We, 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 that is a common experience because we can become overwhelmed with our vanity. I, I mean, our bills are vanity. You better pay them. You'll lose that vanity. You know what I'm saying? It's frustration. What does the, the preacher say in the book of Ecclesiastes? Uh, uh, everything is, is filled with vanity and vexation of spirit. That. That's our reality. We're subject to that. But the same one that made us subject to that has given us an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm choosing another master. I'm going to subject the same and hope.
that though I may have to work a job and I deal with my children, I deal with my spouse, I deal with my friends, I deal with my family, and sometimes those things may be less than edifying, I have an opportunity to bring all of that into the realm of the Spirit, and I can subject that together in hope. Verse 21, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Uh, Everybody say, this is hope. Let's read it together. Because, say it with me, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. I, I believe we taste that sometimes. It's the earnest of our inheritance. We, 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 we taste of the powers of the world to come. We sit together in heavenly places, but we still have to get up and deal with the man. But we have an invitation that in our reality of vexation, of spirit and vanity, we have an invitation to step into another realm. It's, it's dual. We have a dual. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together. What's it say? Everybody say it's still going on. All the creation is groaning and travailing in pain. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruit of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. What's that mean? (laughs) Is we groan under the weight of vanity. We groan under the weight of vexation of spirit. We groan under the weight of temptations and trials. We groan. We have the earnest. We have the first fruit. But but we, we still are dealing with the burden of, of Romans 7, but we are able to labor in the promise of 8. We are able to labor in the promise. What's the scripture say? It, it, it talks about the, the scripture. It says, uh, uh, you know, we, we glory. I can't, can't remember the first part, but it says, and we glory in tribulation. We, we, whatever it is, we, we glory in the, I can't, I can't pull it up. <laughs> I pray it almost every time I pray and I can't pull it up right now. No, I mean that, that's, that's part of it, but the part I'm thinking about is we, we glory in the hope of the, we re, there it is, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I mean, won't we have a time when we get over yonder? Won't we have a time when we get over there, right? We, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, but not only so, we glory in tribulation and infirmities because those things work for us. The bad things work for us. It's an, a miracle uh, recipe, if you will, that the Lord takes the worst things in our life and by the grace of God, He can take an absolute tragic, horrible, terrible, 
regrettable situation. It could be purposeful failure, presumptuous sins. God is able to take what seems to be the very worst thing, and by the grace of God, He can wrap that up and cause it to be a good thing in our walk with God. I talked to this young man. He said, you know, he said, uh, I backslid. Not because anybody hurt me, I wasn't bitter, I wasn't mad at God, I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. And he said to me, he said, you know, I really believe that though I know God didn't want me to do that, and my parents didn't want me to do that, but because of some things that happened there, I think I love God more because I see what God has brought me from. How could God take something, purposeful rebellion, and make it something good? Because that's God. All things work together for the good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. It doesn't make any sense, but He, the Creator that made us subject to vanity, has also given us an opportunity to humble ourselves to the hope of the glory of God. And in the pursuit of the glory of God, we have this groaning, we have this moaning, we are waiting for the adoption to with the redemption of our body. You know, when you got saved, you know, saved is a, I, I think I heard Raymond Woodward say, is the most elastic word in the Bible. Because you're saved in a moment, you're saved in a lifetime, and you're saved ultimately in heaven. They're all true words of salvation. I really did get saved when I repented of my sins. I was baptized in Jesus' name and I was filled with the Holy Ghost. That was authentic salvation. However, that same salvation is what got me up this morning and brought me to church and caused me to pray in the prayer room. And I'm standing here today uh, in our pursuit of dealing with our, our, our vanity, our vexation, our burden, our troubles. I am saved in the moments, I'm saved in the days, I'm saved in the weeks, I'm saved in the months, I'm saved in the years. That is salvation as well. And ultimate ultimate salvation when all of my body is redeemed, my soul is saved in a moment, but my body, (laughs) my soul has to save my body. Jesus saves my soul, I got to save my body. Paul said, "I, I, 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 I beat I keep under my body, bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself become a castaway. And so the bottom line is Jesus saves my soul, who I am, but who I am has got to take my body to church. Because if who I am doesn't take me to church, I'm going to go to hell with the unbeliever. Right? And so in the pursuit, the the groaning, the the, the moaning, the, the waiting for the adoption, Because one day, Jesus didn't save your body when you got the Holy Ghost, Brother Danny. He saved your soul. But we have a hope that ultimate salvation, we'll get a new body. There will be no pain, there will be no aging, there will be no trouble, there will be no conditions, there will be no infection, there will be no corona, no corona 19, no corona 22, no corona 26, no corona 30. There'll be no more Delta, Mu, Epsilon. We'll have a new body, praise the Lord. He saved our soul, but we are in the, the pursuit of having our body saved. To wit, 
to, to wit, the redemption of our body, for we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man hope, man seeth, why doth he yet hope? What's he saying? He's saying what we're hoping for we don't have yet. If you got a new car, you don't hope to have a new car. Well, not for two weeks anyway, right? You don't hope for something you have. You rejoice in something you have, right? And so the hope that we have is something we don't have yet. And because we have a hope of something we don't have, we are looking forward to it. No doubt I have things I'm thankful for. I think Paul said, if I had hope in this life only, I would be of all men most miserable. We're not talking about what is available to us in this world. We're talking about what hope is available to us in the world to come. Verse 24, for we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. But what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? Verse 25, but if we hope for what we see not. Everybody say, I can't see it. We hope for what we cannot see. And because we hope for something we don't see, we do with patience wait for it. It is possible, and I'm talking to people that this is true for, we hope for things that are not our reality, and yet we hope for it. It makes us go to church because we hope for it. Sister Veronica, there's stuff that you want the Lord to do. It ain't happened yet, but you hope for it. And that's true for all of us, the things we would pray about, things that we ask God about, no doubt we hope for. But we're talking about something greater than what is in this world. We have a hope that is unspeakable. It's hard to truly explain what the Spirit says to us that is coming. But the Spirit says to us that what He is preparing for us is beyond our ability to perceive. I have not seen, ear had not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what the Lord is preparing. But something inside of me rises up, Sister Glory, that says, Whew, it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we do know that when we see Him, come on somebody, we will be like Him. And that is the Spirit of God. It beareth witness Verse, verse 26, likewise, the Spirit itself also helpeth our infirmities. How, how, how can we overcome the challenges and the burdens and the trials and the difficulties and the pain? How? Because the Spirit is our help. How many times have we been in the crucible of difficulty and through the praying in the Spirit, the preaching of the Spirit, the teaching of the Spirit, the impartation of the Spirit, we were able to continue on and 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 and, and gain another a handhold and, and to find a place to put our feet another step and move and live for another day because the Spirit upheld us. What does Jesus say? Come unto me, all ye that are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Those burdens we cannot bear on our own. If we will get in the yoke with him, he'll carry the load. We still have to take our step. We still have to carry our cross. But ultimately, Jesus is the one that will take the load. Amen. Amen. Take a a few minutes. 
Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That this, this is one of those things, if we can teach people, new believers, this is it. Is that you can talk to the Lord at any time, and in the process of talking to the Lord, and you pray into the Lord, get into a place where the Lord is talking for you. <laughs> and, and through the, the Holy Spirit baptism, we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit maketh intercession for us for the will of God. How, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I, this trouble is bigger than me, but I can get in a place of prayer and I can let the Holy Spirit pray through me and the Spirit is going to help me. Amen. And we know this is true. You live for God at any period of time. There have been times when it's been too big for us. But the Spirit that dwells in you prays through you and God helps you with the weakness and the stuff that you are dealing with. Amen. Which groanings cannot be uttered or understood. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he he maketh intercession for the saints. What does it say? According to the will of God. Amen. I know we all have a will. Somebody come down and talk to the uh, talk to me and say, well, what do you want? And if I was over here, amen, in the world that I wake up in, the world of vanity, I could say, well, this is what I want. I want the Lord to do this. I want this to happen. I want to live here. I want to do this. And And if I'm not careful, I will allow my human will to plan my life. And can I tell you, the Lord will help you with your life, your plan. He will. He will help you. But he will, a better choice is for you to find God's will for your life. How do you, you just have to pray and trust the Lord. Pray and trust the Lord. And the Lord opens little doors. The Lord, the Lord will give slight impressions. And if you'll just keep praying and pursuing the presence of God, step by step, day by day, little here, little there, the Lord will let you, help you arrive at the appointed place, at the appointed time. How does it happen? It, it's not, it's not, it's not going to be how many of you look at your life and say, you know, I know the Lord will bless me. And I truly believe the only way the Lord can really do that is we have to make room for, make priority for, and subject ourselves. Everybody subject. Everybody say subject. We have to. You know the old saying, you know, you heard people say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Say it with me, yes, Lord. Amen. That, 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 that may seem trite, but sometimes at the end of the day, that's one of the most powerful things we will ever say. I know in my own personal struggle with God's hand on my life, the Lord would deal with me 
and, and, and I would feel the pressure. You'll know what I'm talking about because you've all felt it. I would feel this pressure that the Lord wanted me to say, Lord, whatever you want me to do. I mean, I had those words pressed in my brain, and I would hear it like, I need to say this, and I just couldn't say it. Anybody ever have an experience like that? I just couldn't say, Lord, whatever your will is. But I remember, my dad will remember, I remember it was Sunday morning at the end of service. I don't remember anybody else being down there. But I remember going up to the front, get down on my knees, and after a few minutes, I said something the Lord had been dealing with me to say for longer than nine months. Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. (laughs) And looking back, I'm so glad I did. And ultimately, I truly believe that is how we get ourselves on the path where the Lord can bless us and help us and have us where he wants us to be is that we just surrender to his will and the will of his spirit. Likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Hallelujah. I'll just stop there. Amen. Can we just pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we want your will in our life, Lord. Help me, Lord, not to be subject, Lord, to the vanities, Lord, that are no no, no doubt around us, Lord. And help me, O God, to subject the same in hope, Lord, that, God, I would bring my vanity and my vexation of spirit and drag it, Lord Jesus, and bring it in subjection to you. Lord God, that your will, Lord, that your will, that your will would be done. Pray through us, Lord, according to the will of God. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know what it smells like. We don't know what it wears. We don't know where it's taken us. But Lord Jesus, we want to subject the same in hope. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.